All right. Welcome back to episode 18 of the 20 Pages Book Club. On today's episode, we talk through a quick weekend recap um, and then continuing on our read through of Killers of the Flower Moon, we talk through ch chapters 9 through 19. We give our thoughts on the book, thoughts on the case, uh, where it stands. And then uh, we kind of pivoted. I know last episode we talked about doing a snake draft. Uh, we didn't feel like there was enough quality categories for a snake draft in this book. So we pivoted to Scriblio. Uh, we think we have a good word bank and it should be a lot of fun. So looking forward to another great episode um, and let's go. Welcome back, episode 18 of the 20 Pages Book Club. Well, why don't we just get right into it? Uh, start with a quick weekend recap. Kevin, start us off. Uh, didn't do much this weekend. Had a game on Friday that I had to coach, so left work early. Had to drive this like 12 person passenger van down to the Quad Cities for a game. Uh, the van was, I never drew, driven a van that big. It was like longer than the one that I used to drive at your dad's work, Jared. And I was I was hitting every curb on those right turns like every single time. And the kids were just flying in the back. Uh, then we had a game at home on Saturday. We lost because we just suck. We're just so dumb. Clip that. And then... You guys have like a, you guys, is there a JV team or is it just like the varsity team if that makes sense? Yeah, there's a JV team. So I assist. We have like the head coach that does... He's like the head coach of the varsity team, and I assist that. And then I am like the head coach of the JV team. So that's all just me. And it's honestly really fun. I enjoyed it a lot. Did it, do the JV team win? Uh, we tied 1-1. Oh. And we should have we should have scored like 18 goals, but we're just... So yeah. you're, you're blaming it on the players, not your game plan? I mean, I can do it <laughs> as I can. I, I set them up. We were in there half the entire time. Okay. So many chances, and these kids just don't want to put the ball in that. So, what's what's the record on the season for the JV team? I think we've tied like almost every game. We've <laughs> lost one game, tied like every game, one one, and then we've won like two games. Okay. So you, have no, like, so you don't have a loss in your record yet. You have one loss. Oh, uh, yeah. I knew this game was incredible. Yeah. Sack me. Everybody was chanting at one of our varsity games for homecoming. All of my buddies were sitting like behind us on like the hill and they were just chanting. They're like, Fire Kevin. <laughs> I, like, I would do the same. It was so funny. Like in the middle of our game. And... <laughs> this guy's throwing, he's, he's hitting curbs and he's throwing his players under the bus. They're like, Get him out of here. He just ties every game. Sack him. Kevin out. <laughs> he barks the bus. Yeah. Are you are you like the interim uh the interim JV coach or uh is that are they looking for you to fill in that spot full time? Actually? I I definitely can't actually fill in that spot because it's like a full time job and it doesn't pay well at all. So I wouldn't leave my job to do that. But I'm probably gonna still next year if I'm still in Dubuque. I'd, help coach again but definitely definitely not gonna do leave my job now to do the assistant role and get paid like 30k so it makes sense yeah if you're married to the game 
Sure. <laughs> a lot of career development available in uh, the soccer coaching space. You could probably go over to St. Charles North and be a, be a coach. Be a gym teacher. A gym teacher. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah. Besides that, I didn't really didn't do much. What about you? I'm a football. I'm a football. Yeah, I'm a football. Just hammered the under Wisconsin, Iowa. That's just there was never a doubt that that was going to be like a field goal game. So just hammered that. What I think you, they they turn more and more into Iowa every week, and it's just kind of I kind of admire it now. Like, dude, they had I don't think they had a completion to a wide receiver last week. That's insane. <laughs> we are tight end university. The big white, the white tight ends like Nebraska yeah. too. Yeah. Okay. You don't need to throw Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> so, All right, I'll pass it on beat. to Brazel. Um, yeah, it was pretty good. I went home, visited my parents' house this weekend, so uh, spent some time with them, spent some time with my dog, Zeke, and uh, just kind of laid back all weekend. Um, not Nothing too much exciting. Like, I guess we're going to talk college football. Nebraska controls its destiny in the West, so um, we're going to be there at the end of the season. May come down to the final game of the season, Nebraska-Iowa. Uh, for a trip to Indianapolis, so um, we may have to go to that. We have to go to that at Black Friday, so right after. Where's it? Uh, yeah, just, just wake up after Thanksgiving, just drive out. Just drive out. Yeah, it's a great. Where's it at? Where's it at? I think the game's in Nebraska this year. Yeah. All right. I mean, we'll we'll see. I mean, I don't have anything too spectacular this weekend. I brought in the rug with Christian this morning, so we finally got a rug rug for a living group. So I'm excited <laughs> yeah. for that. I'm excited for that. Let's do it. Listeners are, are on the edge of their seats to hear about that rug. All right, Christian, go ahead. I'm I'm excited about it. All right. Uh, I went on a date Friday. Uh, it went well. And backtracking, Tyler scheduled uh, our our movie viewing for next Friday, and uh, told me to keep my calendar clear. And uh, I may have double booked myself for next Friday by accident. <laughs> Christian, this so, is what you do. I have a solution. You book yeah, a seat on the other side of you, and then you act like you don't know Christian and Tyler and Brandon. And that's what you yeah. do. That Obviously, the comment fun. would be if the girl knows Tyler and Brandon, but... <laughs> yeah, uh, that might be a problem. So I, I'm just going to have to reschedule that. Um, I can not wear a disguise. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh and then I went to uh to Kaylee's birthday last night. Me and uh cousins saw some friends, saw Billy, Daldegan came, a bunch of other people uh stayed out till like one and uh now I'm here. Not not hung over, got my coffee and uh ready to go. Looks like a fun party. Kaylee's always Kaylee always throws a good one for her birthday. It was good. I the pregames at their apartment are always fun. And then we went to uh Kirkwood's after where Tyler and I frequent for the Nebraska games. Uh and it was good. They closed off the outside though, Tyler. So it was like everybody just packed into the tight bars inside, which was not that enjoyable, but whatever. All right, Jared. Yeah. Um so this weekend Ariana's in town. You won't see her in the background during this episode. She's out doing some shopping. But, uh, yeah, she got in town on Friday. Uh, we 
hit up some restaurants, went out to get some food. Um, and then we went out and watched some college football yesterday, uh, meeting up with some friends. So it was a good time. All and I won, which uh, is, you know, just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. So now I'm, I mean, I'm always going to watch every single game, but now I'm looking for a path to a bowl game. It's, it's the worst type of feeling because you have all this hope now and you just know that, oh, uh, well, whatever. But um, other than that, uh, I have some some news for the boys. I will be oh. in Chicago, Chicago for an extended period of time due to work for two and a half months starting in November. So that's kind of exciting. That's good. I was scheduling a project and it kind of weirdly lined up with my lease ending in November here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to work out of Chicago for those two months, two and a half ish months. And then depending on what happens further along with jobs related stuff might be longer, might not. We'll see. But yeah, two and a half months in Chicago for the short term. Um, so maybe get excited to do we can do some more in-person stuff best, uh, yeah. best city in the world uh i don't know about that uh. sure, but, but, <laughs> but summer chicago is undefeated i will say i will say well I'm someone who's lived in chicago i i can agree chicago in summer is undefeated uh it's it's definitely a top five u.s city i don't know if it where it ranks past that but yeah. I mean, great city. And I'm excited. I'm excited to be in, in town for an extended period of time starting in November. So it'll be fun. You need a place to crash. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm probably gonna be staying in a mixture of places. My grandma's uh, with my dad. Uh, Spend the weekends here. In, in Chicago. Got the girlfriend to balance too. So as much as I would love to spend every minute with you guys, gotta gotta balance myself. Maybe we can uh, arrange going to some some football games though. Kevin, I was talking about maybe going to the Iowa game. So maybe since I'll be in town, looking to that. Yeah, I'm excited, but it's all for me. All right. Uh, with that, we'll transition into the summaries. Uh, I think everyone is probably on the same page. This was a enthralling couple chapters here. Enthralling. Uh, enthralling. <laughs> Uh, what, was, what a word. It was very engaging, I think. Um, you know, a couple moments I was audibly like, what the fuck? So I think I read it, like Christian said, in the first like two days after our last bar meeting. So I'm, I also did not refresh myself as much. So hearing these summaries will be good. That's that's why we do I, summaries. Can, can you? I, I just saw you edit that. What? Who? What? What? <laughs> Can, can you guys not? Third leg, is that? No, is that I just that in that. Change it back. Change it back or I'm holding our viewers hostage. Okay, I'm sorry. They're just going to sit here in silence. I like the third, the third leg is a better chapter title, to be honest. My God. They, they, they wonder why I take away their permissions. Uh, but anyways, for the viewers at home, we'll, communist, we'll, communist brazel. We'll get right in there. Take away, take away both my fun. permission. Not even Kevin's. Uh, <laughs> I took away both. Don't worry. 
Mr. No Fun. Well, back, I mean, you guys thought you got you guys are like kindergartners, so you guys have to get the markers stolen away back from you guys because you guys can't handle them. I don't get that analogy, but <laughs> <laughs> all right, chapter nine: The Undercover Cowboys. White arrived in 1925, four years after the deaths of Anna Brown and Charles Whitehorn. The evidence he found was scattered and left little to work with. One thing was clear, a mastermind was behind it all. Adding to the difficulty was the corruption surrounding Osage County. It made sources difficult to track down and unreliable. Given the shadiness, White proposed that he would be the face of the operation, allowing his operatives to remain undercover. With that, uh, he, he would... He contracted a bunch of cowboys, uh, men with experience dealing with outlaws. He was joined by John Berger, who previously had been on the investigation team. He would join White openly. Another important detective was John Wren, the only agent with native blood. Part Ute, uh, from Utah, of course. Uh, due to the mistrust caused by previous investigations, Wren played a pivotal role with his crew assembled. He parted for Osage County. So kind of a quick, uh, there wasn't too much that happened in that chapter. We just kind of meet some of the crew uh, that's going to be joining White down there. Any thoughts on that initial chapter? No. I, the one thing was uh, they said he he didn't recruit his brother. Uh, it, they had agreed previously that the two would never work together on the same case so that their family uh, wouldn't lose uh, two family members at once. I think it just kind of points to the uh, inherent danger of uh, a job like this. Yep. Anything else? I was also interested four years after the deaths of Anna Brown and Charles Whitehorn is just kind of crazy in that time period just because like how much can be lost due to like lack of technology and like evidence over time. So yep. especially as we get later yeah, it's, like, like, a legal proceeding, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. There's a good good stopping point from Tyler because we kind of flash forward a little bit. I think the last like time period we got was maybe like two years, uh, and then kind of skip ahead to four years here. So, good job, Tyler, once again, right. the stopping point. Thanks, man. I appreciate the compliment. All right, chapter ten, eliminating the impossible. One by one, the members began to integrate themselves into Osage County. Wren with the Indians and the Cowboys within the town and close to William Hale on the ranch. White began looking at the mystery surrounding the death of Anna Brown. Evidence had been tampered and removed. Despite this, White concluded that she had died of a bullet wound, same as those before him. Despite, However, he was convinced that someone had removed the bullet. The next big wit witness they wished to investigate was Rose and Joe. However, they clearly had rehearsed their alibis. With that, they turned to Kelsey Morrison... In exchange for expunging his crimes, he would become the FBI's informant. With that, he took his fingerprints, a new technology, and sent him off to investigate. Morrison went and pressed Rose, but she stood by her story. Given all this, White could only conclude that the original accuser had lied. After an hour of pressing, she revealed that she had. However, there is one important discovery. Someone was manufacturing evidence and had told her to start spreading the story. Alright, so my question is, who's ever in charge of these murders? I kind of par gave them the title Mastermind earlier. I don't know if we want to revisit that word I gave them, but they've gone to great lengths to create diversions. What do you think of these and how they progress throughout these chapters? I don't know if uh, well, up to this point. I think we'd learn about it a little later, but 
I found it so interesting that every, all like the different misleading like paths were all part of Hale's plan, which was like, it was really cool to read about it. Like in the first part, you read about everything that happened and you didn't get obviously all the info. And then once these people start, uh, like the witnesses start speaking out about what happened, you start learning that basically everything that happened, like even like the robbery and one of the, like Asa Kirby getting shot, like even that was part of Hale's like mastermind plan. So like every diversion was just created by him just to like take people off the trail. And then it's just so interesting how he was able to basically manipulate an entire county with just his henchmen and his workers. You think that uh, the person responsible would be harder to find if he didn't try to create these false stories with witnesses? Like, I feel like it would almost be harder to trace it back to that person because then there's no one to talk about, hey, so-and-so like paid me off to do this. The, so do you think yeah, that was a bad idea? I think it's interesting because at one sense, like he was so powerful that like no one would talk or no one would break or like theoretically he could just pay everyone off. But I feel like if he wasn't that rich, people would just like, and he didn't try to like touch everything, like manufacture everything. I feel like people would just rat on him, you know? I feel like it's, so it's like an interesting balance. Yeah. I think to me, the book kind of makes it seem like white is able to find that Hale's the killer, like very fast. So, like, what I was saying, like, is he actually a mastermind or does he just have power and influence? I think it's probably more of the latter. I think it's more of, like, he can't, you can't get evidence pinned on him and he's really good at knowing how to, like, he, I think he knows that everybody knows what's going on, but he's just smart enough to make it so that there's no actual, all of the witnesses that are alive and would speak up about it are so scared of him and, like, like Ernest is so scared of him and then everybody else he's paid off. So he's like, he still feels like we see it later when he gets, when he literally just walks into the prison when they have a wanted poster out for him. And he's just like, I understand I'm wanted. And he's just like, so confident. <laughs> like he, I feel like he, it's not necessarily that he's a mastermind and like not getting caught, but more of like, he can basically so much power, people yeah. and manipulate people to just kind of do what he wants. Ernest is a little big, like rep, Repu reputation too, like knowing that Hale is capable of just shooting you dead if you speak out is a big motivator for not saying a word. Uh, and I think the one big thing that changes here is that you have the feds crawling around and asking questions. And so now you kind of have someone of equal power um, playing a role. Like think about how many people were involved and how many pe different people were questioned and it took like so many people to get one person just to speak out against Hale. Yeah. Like there's we go through a ton of characters and they get questioned by White and others and then they no one would budge and then eventually Ernest like broke down. But was it was it Ernest first or did someone else I forgot what the first like key some guy, point the finger at Hale was some guy lied in jail the one i forgot what his name was but he was like in jail hearing about it and then he lied yeah yeah and then they like put out the warrants for Ernest and what's his face hale and then they like got it was kind of lucky like how it ended up happening but we'll get to it i think yeah. one, guy was, one guy was fabricating 
yeah yeah that was crazy and they still they still got his ass because uh someone else stepped forward and they brought him into the room but like tyler said that's coming up yeah i think the original indictment wasn't for uh Ernest, though i think it was for hale and uh what's his name the wiry guy um, yeah yeah they only, they only turned Ramsey, yeah. they were gonna let Ernest go with like minimal charges as long as he kept speaking out but then he turned at the trial we'll get to it uh yeah. chapter 11 the third man the third Hoover, leg hoover continued to press white this was pub this was a publicity nightmare and he needed answers while not in the field hoover compiled evidence as such he became convinced that A.W. Comstock, I just did that, I don't know why, that was on me, oh, it was part of the conspiracy, it's Comstock, sorry. Uh, White wasn't as convinced, but did find the man suspicious. By the end of July 1925, White turned his attention to his last suspect, Brian uh, Burkhardt. The agents pressed the aunt and uncle of Brian, but they confirmed and corroborated his story. For now, the trail was empty. In August 1925, White sent his operatives to Ralston. There, a group of white men had supposedly seen Anna on the night of her death. However, one had disappeared, and the others were tough to find. Finally, they talked with an old farmer. Him and his wife swore that they had seen Anna that night. Finally, they dropped the bombshell she was riding with Brian Burkhart. That meant he did drop her off, but he also picked her up later in the night. From there, they tracked down that Brian had been drinking with Anna until 1 a.m. with their uncle. However, they also learned of a mysterious third man. Finally, at 3 a.m., a final witness saw them together in Fairfax. With that, Brian was the prime suspect and left White pondering the motives. All right, so this is the first domino that really falls. They find out Brian had been lying about, well, he'd been just, I don't know if he was lying, but he wasn't letting the full story on. He did drop her off. He just, to cover himself. Picked her back up. Yeah, he picked her back up. Shocker really that like one it. of the main characters that we were interested in at the beginning of the book turns out to actually be involved. If you pay attention there to our last meeting, it is, uh, I mean, I don't think any of us were exactly fooled, but uh, it is still interesting to see how this unraveled. I like yeah. the style of writing. I like how the in the first part, we kind of were reading it as like from a public perspective, like how the public is getting the news. So we just hear about like the murders and then we get like a little look into what exactly occurred, but you don't. And then now these chapters in part two, you're actually seeing like you're learning what was happening behind the scenes and not more of like the investigative side of it and like collecting all the evidence and then piecing it together. Whereas like the first part, you're literally just hearing what happened and you're kind of like from a public perspective, you're just guessing what happened and who could be the killer and stuff. And then I've enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. Cause it's like, you're rereading almost. It's like those movies where you see kind of like the plot and then it like backtracks and then you get to look more into, it's like uh, the prestige where like you get to kind of look back and reanalyze it with more info. What are, what are the mystery movies that uh, Daniel Craig has been doing with Ryan Johnson? What are those called? The newest one. Uh, the knives out yeah. yeah the knives out the glass glass onion is that what it's called the second one that's kind of how that yeah, plot second one, was, second one wasn't as good yeah but that's how that plot like they showed daniel craig like going through it all and then once he figures out the mystery they play like all of what actually happened so, yeah yeah i get what you're saying uh with that chapter 12 a wilderness of mirrors white began to suspect that his investigation had a mole the borough 
had it been plagued with leaks and sabotage. One of the big hurdles was the Oklahoma law in Burns. Burns went after Kelsey Morrison, jailing him on fake charges. Once released, Morrison seemed messed up. Clearly, someone was paying the people within Oklahoma law. Despite the moles and roadblocks, White turned his focus to Pike. After months of chasing and pressuring, they revealed that Pike hadn't been paid to investigate the death of Anna Brown. He was paid to cover it up. He cited William Hale as the mastermind. The last important message he left the investigators was that Ernest Burkhart was present at these meetings. Alright, my question is, what are your thoughts that these people are more scared of the people living in the shadows among them than the federal law enforcement? <laughs> Wait. I, I'm i not understanding this question. I mean, they're, oh, like, I see, I see, I see. they're more scared of Hale and, like, Pike than they are. Whatever, yeah. yeah. I mean, it makes sense. They can literally... Yeah. Like, Hale can act without any... Uh, like retaliation from, yeah. yeah from the government like he can just shoot you and kill you and then probably get away with it whereas the government if like an agent shoots somebody then it's gonna be a big ordeal this is also like early 1900s so hale's reputation carries way more weight than the fbi did at this point like i probably nobody knows what the fbi even is they just know that they're federal investigators feds wonder if their reputation is the same as it is now be interesting uh any other thoughts on <laughs> uh <laughs> i mean the rest of you want to say i mean their reputation is not great right uh, now. we we got like they suggested a mole in this chapter and we haven't revisited that yet i don't think it really played a factor in the investigation that so far from what we've read so i don't know kind of a weird thing to throw in there in my opinion i can't i can't i feel like it was re-brought up but i can't think of what it actually was maybe we'll rediscover it over the summaries oh no well it wasn't a mole within the feds someone was triple. i guess kelsey morrison kelsey morrison was kind of playing, morrison was playing both sides yeah so i guess i guess that Boy. makes sense he could be considered the mole all right. Any other thoughts? Uh, we're about to we're about to go on a. a he's like the, he's like that con of what's his name? Con of uh, that was trying to play both sides between uh. Kanakiba. Figuring. Uh, what's Kanakiba? No, the guy the guy that was playing in uh, that Chinese settlement. Oh, what's his name? Oh, well, I know who you're talking about. He was playing both. He was playing both sides. Yeah. All right. Chapter 13, A Hangman's Son Tom White grew up with the, grew up the son of Robert Emmett White, an elected sheriff in Travers County. He was a well-respected man with strong morals that cared for his job. He was recognized for treating his pr prisoners humanely, in, additionally, in addition frequently stopping necktie parties, an act where townspeople would hang African Americans. I mean, Jesus Christ. Uh, at the time, criminology was infant, and the law was difficult to enforce but he did, on horseback with his pack of bloodhounds. Tom would sit up worried about his father. On one occasion, his father had a gun pulled on his head. On another occasion, he was stabbed in the back. Despite it, he kept carrying on. At 19, Tom witnessed his first hanging. A black man, Ed Nichols, was accused of rape and sentenced to death. Nichols pleaded with the governor, but his request was denied. Uh, Nichols was hanged 
The following day, in lieu of this event, Tom began to dislike the idea of judicial homicide. In 1905, Tom enlisted in the Texas Rangers. He was paid a very small salary, but the thrill of the law was enough. From older Rangers, he learned important lessons. On his first mission, he was tasked with helping to chase down cow rustlers. They were shot at, but successfully apprehended the men. From there, he continued upon dangerous missions, taking note of the poor form used by other Texas Rangers. He didn't feel it appropriate for a man to play judge, jury, and executioner. Despite this, all around him, Rangers were dying. With that, Tom decided to leave the force and be with Bessie in San Antonio. While he enjoyed the calmness, he decided to join the borough. In 1917, in 1918, his brother Dudley was shot and killed by lawless men. Although heavy, Tom returned to the borough shortly after. So we get background on Tom White here and his, his upbringing. And, you know, some of that stuff kind of plays um, true at the end. Like, he, he's not going to end up shooting anyone, I don't think. he's He plays it by the by the law. It's just a classic, like, uh, 1900s Wild West, like, lawman. Has a good good set of values. Uh, good set of morals. Good set of morals. He lives by a code, and his father was also in law enforcement. Yeah. yeah. I think it also, we get to see, Tyler kind of talked about it, but we get to see a little background on how he was brought up. And it talked about how he would, the nonviolent, like, younger prisoners, he would, Emmett would have them stay at his house. So, like, Tom White just grew up living with random prisoners at his house for, like, a couple of weeks, and then they'd just, like, leave, and he'd never know why. But I think we get to see, like, a lot of the humanity side from his from his dad, and that will probably come into play later, showing that Tom is probably going to be a little more, uh, have, a, like, a more humane side, and obviously not shoot people and be more willing to let people live and obviously it said he hated the idea of judicial homicide so yep i mentioned you guys see if the movie's gonna gonna dive into like the tom white side of the story i feel like yeah, he's not really shown in the trailer Panera, like starring i don't know how much we're gonna get a tom white but i'm really hoping that we get kind of a at least a little bit on him and like the dynamic between like trying to solve the case well there's a bunch of like people creeping in the shadows, is how I would say. It's gonna be interesting to he's see a, how it's structured compared to the book. He's a, he he's in the trailer. He shows up at the front door and he's like, "I'm here to investigate oh, yeah. murders," but he's not like prominent, you know. I don't, in the book, he's but, uh, but like they did, like I don't even know who plays him, like actor wise. Like I don't. That's what makes me think like it's not going to be something that's like super talked about. So that's why I'm curious to see how it. What'd you guys think about this? Like, I wasn't a fan of this chapter, to be honest. Like, I get, I get giving Tom's background and like we can kind of understand his decision making down the road and maybe why he avoids uh, breaking his his moral code. But I thought, I thought the author author went way too deep into Tom White's background. I thought it was a little little long, but in that sense. But I did like getting a little bit of background. I didn't need like. Wow, how many pages it was but yeah i can i could kind of agree to a certain extent that was like 16 17 pages i think i didn't i don't think i need that much i liked it but i i think yeah, this I is one know. of the those chapters that pays dividends later you can understand his actions based on 
things he did in this chapter, while it may not prove relevant to the plot, it proves relevant to, like, his motivations, you know? It's like a character-building yeah. chapter. Yeah. Kind of. All right. It's, it, I found it found it interesting, too, that they, the author decided to insert this, like, two or three chapters after Tom showed up and after he'd already collected evidence. And, like, I was kind of into, like, them tracking down who had done this. And then, boom, Tom White chapter. Like, I feel like it could have happened maybe when Tom White first showed up. Yeah, placement can always be changed. That's always, I feel like that'd be really tough as an author. Like, where do you place the backgrounds? You know, you can either front load it, and but then you're like, people get, people complain like the front of the book is like a little bit boring. So I don't I mean, it's a tough balance. I like how Rocketman did it actually. Like when it was like interwoven, I thought that was pretty unique in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's your, maybe it's your point, Tyler. He lets the, the evidence finding like build up a little bit and then inserts this so that the reader isn't completely bored uh with these 17 pages of background all right uh chapter 14 dying words returning to present white was now on the trail of bill smith he wanted to uncover what he knew to do that he went to the nurse she said she often heard him mumbling names more importantly he had spent time with doctors james and david Schoen. After a long interrogation process, James Schoen finally hinted that Bill Hale was the man responsible, and Bill Smith had said that his two enemies were Ernest Burkhart and William K. Hale. From there, White was able to subtract the real reason. Schoen brothers were attempting to hand over the estate to themselves. This set off a domino of discoveries across the board. Guardians were using their positions to exploit the Osage, taking millions in money from them. Even worse, the law system was covering for them. Everyone was taking a piece of the pie from what would from what rightfully belonged to the Osage. Uh, yeah, my I, I just this is not even really a question. It's just this is kind of fucked. What are your thoughts on the unfolding motivations? What does this say about human greed? Lessons to be learned. Yeah, I, the doctors like like purposely like I guess we figure out later, but like with Hale, like it's just sickening. Like like those are people that you go to when you need help, and like. Like it's one for like Hale to be like a like super like criminal like mob like boss type thing, but like for like doctors to be like purposely trying to kill people or like take their money while they're on like their last leg is like just crazy. The Sean brothers are they're rats. They're yeah. disgusting men. Yeah. But uh if if we were doing snake draft of worse people outside of William Hale. I think they I think they were right up there. Yeah. Like I even like like Hale is a horrible person, but they were just like snakes. You can you can kind of look back and like see how they played a hand. Like they they probably hid the bullet from Anna's crime scene. Probably. And they dug up her body. And they definitely did. Dug up her body and just obliterated her remains. And then they gave Bill they also could, like, change like what they like deem as like evidence. Like they could be like, oh, yeah, like this is our thoughts on it. But like they could have been like falsifying it as they went. Yeah. And then Bill Smith confided his last moments were confiding in the Schoen brothers and giving them probably the evidence that could lead to Hale's arrest. And they just swept it under the carpet. Well, and then they didn't they take his money, too. Yeah. 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 Well, Anna's money. 
or not uh, uh, Rita's money, sorry. Yeah. I, uh, I to Tyler. Yeah. Christian, go. That was a good. Okay, go. Yeah. That was a good quote at the end from the Osage woman speaking to the reporter. It reminded me of uh, Damn Cold Vampires by Zach Bryan. Said, your money draws them and you're absolutely helpless. They have all the law and all the machinery on their side. Tell everybody when you write your story that they're scalping all our souls out here. Jeez. And damn cold vampires. She's that, that is bars. A, that's a good quote. That is bars. Uh, yeah, no, I it's just crazy the whole. Oh, oh we're to, we're having trouble here. We're having trouble here. I go ahead. Go, Ty- go Tyler. <laughs> I was just gonna say it. It's crazy how like everybody in the town was in on this uh, guardianship system and exploiting it. Like certain businesses were giving re- rebates to the to the guardians for spending at their uh, at, at their business. Yeah, everyone was like, just everybody knew. There's like the group of people, which was a large majority, that were just turning a blind eye to everything and like sort of benefiting from it. In indirect ways, obviously, there's people directly going after estates, which would be the William Hale and, you know, Ernest. But there is a ton of people in this town that are just turning blind eyes because they're getting a they're gaining benefit from the Guardian system and the Guardian system in the first place. I mean, how crazy is that? I just they don't know how to spend their money. So you give them a Guardian that controls all their funds. I mean, that's just terrible. I was confused about the part where it was like, didn't say they'd buy a car for like six hundred dollars, but then like sell it to the to the person they were guardian for for more money. Yes, is that like? Yeah, I didn't understand that. How like, how does that make sense? You're, just, you're making insane margin on the car. You're buying it for mm-hmm. like say a thousand dollars, and then selling it to the guardian for like seventeen thousand dollars so you just profit sixteen thousand because they couldn't buy it by themselves they would have to they were charging yeah. It, so yeah you're forced to go That's through the guardian system. and the guardian is basically just making himself a middleman for something that doesn't need a middleman it's just yeah uh, i don't know kind of i i was I, I i was audibly like very angry reading some of these chapters just so earlier in the book it it talks about how Hale actually opposed the Guardian system and even went to whoever was creating this legislation, I guess, Congress, and and was an outspoken opposer of the system. So I almost think, like, maybe these people didn't want this. Like, they wanted the Osage to go out and spend, be able to spend money at their businesses. So in a way, the system kind of fucked over the Osage here kind of fucked over like the economy in the town honestly because instead of like the local people like making the money it was the middle people were basically like self-employed like just being it was like being a a company that's like a middleman like helping different companies like purchase insurance or something it was basically like that like they were the middleman but they didn't actually do any work really they just they just kind of said all right give me a thousand dollars and i'll buy something for a hundred and i'll make 900 bucks for myself yeah well, and, and yeah. there was that story earlier, and remember, there was like that lady had her family, and her like daughter, son was dying, and they like asked the guardian for money, and, like he just didn't give them any money, and like her child died. Like that's just like crazy, like that they would like could tell you when they couldn't, like even if it was like a thousand dollars, and they had like money in their trust. It's just insane. 
All right. Sure. You're almost with this with this with this law, you're almost begging for corruption and greed because you're begging for money that's that's yours. It's crazy. Like after you already have it. Yeah. These yeah. damn cold vampires. All right. Chapter 15, The Hidden Face. White continued on the Hale investigation, now looking to the death of Henry Roan. They approached the salesperson that made the life insurance policy. He said he was pressured into making a $25,000 policy uh, that he didn't care about because he cashed in his commission. The next step was to secure a doctor to clear him for the policy. For that, he found a shady one in Paul Hushka. Paul Hushka, is that how we're agreeing to pronounce that? As well as James Schoen. Ahuska. Despite the moves, the first company denied the application. After some forging, they were able to get the policy approved. After Roan's death, Hale even carried the casket. Oh my god. The investigation was... I forgot about that. The investigation was launched not against Hale, but against Roy Bunch, the man having an affair with Roan's wife. Bunch was approached by Hale and told to leave the town. From there, Hale hounded Roan's wife, asking her to sign documents with, uh, with no way to obtain... Heterite into the Mineral Trust, Hale worked to get all of the Heterites into one person, Molly Burkhart, who was married to his nephew, Ernest. For now, it wasn't clear if Ernest had married Molly as part of his uncle's sinister plan, or if William Hale was simply capitalizing on his opportunity. One thing was clear, it was sinister, and it was only getting worse. So we kind of unveil Hale's plan here in this chapter. It was the Heterites. Yeah. That's what was driving it. I, I didn't see it coming that they were I didn't see it coming that they were filtering everything to Molly. Yeah, I mean that was crazy. Yeah, I guess yeah, I didn't that see, was cool it's raw, yeah. Cool. I I didn't see exactly how it was gonna play out, but I knew it was gonna eventually come down to like Ernest kind of having to decide between Hale and Molly. And I'm really interested to see how they portray this in the movie. Because I feel like from the trailer, they it showed like almost. I honestly don't really remember the trailer that well, but I remember seeing like Molly and Ernest. Like it seemed like they're fighting, and it's kind of like I feel like it's gonna be like you have to choose between the person you love, and then there was the part in the like, trailer family. where he was like, "Are you man enough or something to go against your uncle?" Like I wonder where that comes in. Like is like, will you go against Molly? Your uncle? Yeah. Molly says to uh, Molly says to Ernest, like, "Why are you here?" In the trailer, which begs the question: Did he, did he come at his uncle's instruction, or was was this natural? And Hale's grand plan reveal itself after Ernest had married Molly, or did he did he place Ernest there? Still, well, I think in the beginning of the trailer, he like talks about like when Hale comes in, he's like getting introduced to land, and then. I think Hale's like talking to Ernest about like the Osage and like, like he's like something about like beautiful woman or something like that. And I think they're going to make it play out to where it's like Hale's the one pulling the strings, if I had to guess. But yeah. Yeah. All right. The book perspective, though, it, it kind of is interesting. Like, because it was what he had married her four years before this all started happening. Yeah. How long it was. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it really is. I think it the book, like even in the book, it states the question like, so did Hale was he like planning this all along? And was this just like a crazy like five year plan that he had laid out, or was it more of Hale saw like what was in front of him and used like the resources he had to make this happen? 
Like, was it post them think, being in love? I think it's more so, like, I don't think he could have planned this out, like, to yeah. a T. I think it's more so he recruited Ernest and Brian to come to Osage country and told them basically get close to the Osage and then kind of developed his plan afterwards. Yeah, I mean, because think about it, he had to build like all that trust up in the beginning. Yeah. Like, I don't know how many years it was, but I also have a quick fun fact. I looked up how much a $25,000 life insurance policy would be in today's money. Uh, it's like $400,000. So quite a nice little cash out. Yeah, quite a large sum. All right, with that, we'll move to the next chapter. Chapter 16, for the betterment of the bur Bureau. Sorry, I don't know why I keep saying Burrow. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Uh, despite, go off fantasy today. <laughs> despite the evidence, White knew that he needed an airtight case. With that, he needed witnesses or physical evidence. Hale had everyone under his sphere of influence. In addition, White was still receiving intense pressure from Hoover. Most viewed Hoover as a fanatic and a perfectionist. He sought to maximize everything within the Bureau. Hoover made every agent feel like a cog in the machine. With that, they were less likely to succumb to local corruption, but it dehumanized the department and its agents. Despite the pressures, the mission had to carry on. Uh, kind of a quick chapter here. Uh, my question from these last two chapters is just, what would it be like to be in white shoes overcoming a local network of corruption? and immense pressure from Washington, D.C. and Hoover. I think this is where his like moral compass comes into play. Uh, I think that's why the author decided to include that background chapter, because now you're at a crossroads where you have the option to kind of uh, cross some lines and maybe do it not by the book and get people arrested, or you can uh, do it by the book and and live by your strong values and do it the right way and and not play into Hale's game. Yeah. I mean, even still, like we'll see, he like rushes the case a little bit still. Like it almost, it's seems like it's almost going to cost them a little bit. Yeah. yeah. They, go, they decided to go ahead and start apprehending people. Yeah. I feel like I Hoover think they and had White to are take the risk. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see if Hoover's going to be in this movie as well. Cause I think he plays like a larger dynamic into like how the case unfolded and like, so yeah, I almost I almost would like more of Hoover because I'm I, I'm kind of curious on like Hoover and like all of the influence and pressure he was under and like forming this department. Maybe just a Hoover movie by itself would be more interesting. But I feel bad. He, for he created. Oh, I, I just no, feel you... bad for White because he just has like so much pressure from from like above him so hoover's putting pressure like down on him and then he also has like the pressure of not wanting to do this case like in the false way and he wants to make sure that he actually does everything correctly so he kind of has pressure from both sides like from osage and then from dc and i feel like he in this story is the one that's just getting kind of like fucked yeah like he doesn't want to he's gonna have to make somebody upset eventually i feel like or do something that he is not comfortable with doing, which kind of sucks. For sure. Any other thoughts before we move to Chapter 17? No. Okay. Chapter 17, The Quick Draw Artist, The Yegg, and The Soup Man. It was the fall of 19... The Yegg. <laughs> okay. It was the what fall... Is the what is the Yegg, Tyler? A safe cracker. What'd What's you call that? me? 
A safe cracker is someone that cracks it. There you go. <laughs> I thought you said when we were discussing this earlier, I thought you said egg cracker, like oh. their job is to crack eggs. <laughs> All right. Uh, the quick draw artist, the egg, and the soup man. It was the fall of 1925. White was still on the chase, assuring Hoover that he was close. He turned to convicted criminals for more evidence. With that, he found Dick Gregg. In return for a reduced sentence, Gregg revealed that Hale had met with Al Spencer. In that meeting, he offered $2,000 to murder Bill Smith and his wife. While it was useful information, it would be hard to prove in court. However, Gregg did offer up Curly Johnson. Unfortunately, he was dead due to poisoning. That led White to Henry Grammer. Unfortunately, he was also dead. Finally, a Yegg, or safecracker, gave the name of Asa Kirby. As we know, he was also dead. Hale had tipped off the shopkeeper of his planned robbery. As White kept looking, he kept finding that witnesses were dead. White could see Hale on the streets. He looked like a man on top of the world. So. Dude, like the, the, the shoplifting incident was crazy because not only did Hale tip off the... He tipped on both sides. Here, he he created the plan in the first place to do the robbery. He told Asa Kirby, hey, there's like diamonds in here. He's like, this will be the best night to do it. It's like, this is the best night. And then he told the other people, they're coming this night. (laughs) This is going to be in the movie. I know for a fact, because it's in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, he's, he's, he's purposely, he's having people commit murders and then he's killing the murderer in the safest way he can possible. This chapter, like I was literally laughing when I was reading this. It's like, and then they got the lead onto this next guy. And he he was dead. <laughs> <laughs> but then from that, they found another lead. I imagine how frustrating that is for White. You just keep finding leads and they keep dying. I mean, it probably cements what you already know, that Hale is the one behind it all. But like, you still need the other half of that, which is all the evidence, to actually convict him. I also love picturing Hale just like walking down the street, just like down... <laughs> like the main street of some town just with his little top hat and like fancy suit, just like smiling and waving at people. And he's just, he's just having so much fun just controlling everybody. He kind of looks like Theodore Roosevelt in that one picture. (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right. Uh, This is a long, long one. So let me take a deep breath. Chapter 18, the state of the game. White was given a new tip in October 1925 while meeting with the governor, a man named Bert Larson Lawson in McAllister. Bert began to tell his story. In 1918, he began working under Bill Smith. In 1921, he discovered an intimacy between his wife and Smith. Ernest approached him about killing Bill Smith, then Hale came to both Lawson denied. After he was arrested for killing a fisherman, he accepted Hale's offer. From there, he hid in the Smith household, lighting the fuse and blowing it up. Hale and Ernest returned him to his cell shortly after. On October 24th, uh, White telegrammed Hoover that he had received a confession. Hoover was elated and offered congratulations. With the growing evidence, White feared that Hale would get desperate. Most importantly, he feared for Molly's life. He talked with the priests who revealed the secret message he'd received. By December 1925, White took action. He issued warrants for Hale for Hale and Ernest Burkhart. The warrants were issued on January 4th, 1926. They found Ernest uh, quickly, and Hale turned himself in. After the first meeting, it was clear Hale would never confess. Ernest was the target. They interrogated for hours, but nothing was found. White was now growing desperate. Had he rushed the investigation? 
Desperately, White turned to Blackie Thompson. Slowly, he started to reveal information. With that, he returned to Ernest. Ernest looked to call his bluff, and Hale brought in Thompson. With that, slumped. However, he kept denying. Hours later, he agreed to come clean to White. He said that Hale was behind the plot to kill Bill Smith and his wife. They had approached Blackie Thompson, then Curly Johnson, Al Spencer, and Henry Grammer, who all denied. Hale then offered up Asa Kirby. They used John Ramsey to deliver the message. With that, the job was done. Ernest then said that John Ramsey was responsible for the death of Henry Roan. With that information, they brought in Ramsey, who confessed to killing Roan with no remorse. Dude, there's... Oh, there's <laughs> a lot. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot. Uh, that left the death of Anna Brown. Ernest didn't want to implicate his brother Brian. With that, he gave the name of a mysterious third man. It was Kelsey Morrison. White knew that Morrison wasn't just a double agent, but the man who had killed Anna Brown. Meanwhile, Hale went after the Schoen brothers. He didn't have enough evidence to prove that they were poisoning Molly. However, she got immediately better after leaving their care. Go figure. Despite all the evidence, she continued to deny that Ernest was a part of the plot. She couldn't fathom it. With all the information, White confronted Hale. He learned, he learned about another important piece of information. Hale was potentially the father of Anna's unborn child meaning he was he had murdered his own child. Despite bringing all the evidence to Hale, he sat smiling, confident that money could buy his way out of the issue. White didn't know the trial would go all the way to the Supreme Court and would almost ruin his career. Given one last chance to confess, Hale responded, I'll fight it. Uh, I have no question. I just have thoughts. And outside of Heinrich Himmler, is this the worst person we've read about? Dude, this chapter was crazy. <laughs> He was the pallbearer at Anna's funeral, too. I, he's carrying the casket of the people he's killing. I mean, that's just... I guess, like, they, if you ever watch, like... Uh, you ever, like, see, like... They always say, like, the criminal always goes to the gravesite. I guess it's yeah. here. Yeah. They're always there to watch, like, what ensues after the yeah. murder. I mean, this guy is just awful. Not gonna lie, I thought I knew what I was like, what all happened in this chapter, and then you read this, and I had yeah, I got more confused. I, I, yeah, I got more confused. So, Ramsey was a false witness, and so they didn't have anything on Ernest or Hale. Then they brought in someone else Blackie to Hale Thompson. to Ernest's cell. They brought in Blackie, Blackie Thompson. Thompson. It, was, it was actually part of the plot, yeah. and that's what. And he confirmed that Hale wasn't actually was actually not in town for the blow up, which is true because. Yeah, that was his main alibi is that he wasn't in. He was like, let's talk about let's talk time. about that. They break him out of prison. That's it. Yeah, they break him out. out they they like tell him to go <laughs> blow it up. They tell him to go blow it up. Yeah, it's crazy. Like how, I mean, doesn't that mean the sheriff's also a part of the plot? Like, or at least guards of the plot. No, no, because Hale was a. Uh, he was, was warden, he had, like was a, keys. He had a he had a badge. He was like a in, invest. I don't know, I don't know, but he, that was he had uh, the ability to do that. This is why we have checks and balances now. Yeah, and then and then they also just dropped the bomb at the end that Hale is potentially the father of Anna's unborn child. Yeah. Oh, I I did not catch that. <laughs> <What's this? laughs> yeah, the, like there was a potentially an affair with Hale and Anna. Jesus. Which means, which would mean that he blew up his own child. No, he, no, he hired he hired someone to kill. 
Okay. Yeah, and I got shot in the head. Oh yeah, yeah. I was shot. This man can't. This man can't play the long game. All he had to do was wait for his child to be born, and there's like, the money is with your blood then. Unless he didn't. Unless he didn't trust that Anna was only sleeping around with him. Yeah. Talk, talking. Yeah, talking, about <laughs> Heinrich, talking about Heinrich. Talking about. That would have been a crazy Jerry Springer episode. Talking Talk about train. No, talking about uh, talking about Heinrich Himmler. I bet there's some elements of racism in him wanting pure blood to have the money. If I'm gonna guess. I mean, Himmler is a crazy name. The Himmler. the aunt and uncle. So Hale's brother and aunt. His aunt was the one who was like severely racist at at uh, Molly's yeah. party at the beginning. And then the uncle is obviously part of this whole scheme. So, yeah, I would say there's probably racism within the Hale family. Hale's the closet racist. Yeah. That also is a murderer. Just happens to be the, maybe the, the most racist. Uh, yeah. Some of, the, some of the quotes at at the beginning of the book, too, like Hale had previously said uh, in one of his last interviews that the Osage were like the his best friends. Like, so said that. He obviously said that after all this happened, so he's still sticking by that fact that he loves the Osage. Uh, yeah, he's... This chapter was just such a mindfuck. Like, the whole time, everything you learn, and then the fact that they had a false witness, but then the false witness is what, like, unlocked all the real witnesses. Like, they got so... White got his ass saved. He got so lucky. It was a buzzer beater to get Blackie Thompson in there. Yeah. Yeah, so they had like a police escort for him, for him, like going into town. Yeah, they. he, he was probably lucky he was alive. Yeah, it's probably thrilling. Like Ernest being like, "I'll call your bluff," and then they're like, "I," and then they walk out and walk <laughs> back in with them. Blackie Thompson. Oh, they're de that's definitely gonna be in the movie. I, they're definitely gonna show like Blackie Thompson while Hale's like in the in the cell, and his face is just gonna like lose all coloring because like he knows like. Yeah, he's got a witness now. Yeah, it's getting serious. All right, uh, chapter nineteen, the last chapter of this one: a traitor to his blood. White continued to pile evidence. He was able to tie Hale to the deaths of George Bigheart and Joe Bates, gaining links from their estate following their deaths. The public was enthralled with the murders. It began the biggest. It was the biggest story in the country. The Osage Indians now stood strong. They needed a conviction. However, everyone knew the judicial system was permeated with corruption, and Hale had one of the strongest spears of influence possible, and it seemed the cases had to be tried in the state due to their nature. Stretching the law, they carried on and tried Hale and Ramsey in federal court. From the start, Hale began tampering with the jury and the witnesses, hoping to make some disappear. The person they were most concerned about was Ernest Burkhart. They relied heavily on his testimony. Despite the evidence, Molly continued to write to him and wished for him to come home. On March 1st, 1926, the prosecution received bad news. The judge was sending the state or sending the case back to the state court. It would take months for the case to reach the Supreme Court. As a result, Hale and Ramsey would be released for now. For White, he knew this meant trouble. It would be difficult to find a jury that would find the king of the Osage guilty. Meanwhile, Molly sat by herself, watching the trial, ostracized by much of the Osage and denied from the Hale contingent. With that, Ernest entered the courtroom to the surprise of the Hale lawyers. They called for a rebrief. They emerged 30 minutes later, and the judge granted their request for Ernest to speak tomorrow. 
Upon returning, he refused to testify for the state. Instead, he testified for the defense and denied everything. Hale took the opportunity to smile at White. In response, the prosecutors added Ernest as a co-conspirator. With that, his trial began in May. Hale took the stand, claiming that the agents had threatened him with a gun and physical violence. Ramsey and Burkhart did the same. While clearly fake, U.S. Senator William B. Pine partitioned for the men to be fired. It was all going south. Despite this, they still had Kelsey Morrison. He testified that Brian had aided him in killing Anna Brown. It was all part of Hale's plan to leave Ernest with the money. Morrison's former wife confirmed the story. Meanwhile, Molly learned of the death of her youngest daughter, Anna, and returned to the court case soon after. On June 7th, shortly following the death of his daughter, Ernest slipped a note to the deputy sheriff. It was addressed to John Leahy. He said he could no longer continue lying. Ernest returned two days later and pronounced he was departing from his defense. He was now being represented by Mr. Moss. In addition, he was now pleading guilty. With that, he read a statement confessing to everything. The courtroom exploded. On June 21st, he was sentenced to life imprisonment and hard labor. On the way out, he smiled at Molly. She returned a cold stare. Damn. This was, this was crazy yeah. as well. Yeah. I love this chapter. What a double twist. In the same chapter, he goes... How, how, do, you, how do you not get like punished for perjury right then and there if you're Hale and all of his lawyers? Uh, corruption. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that existed back then. Also, yeah. I mean, this... The, there may be no bigger coward than Ernest. Like this guy is like, he cannot stand up for himself. He did the right. He did the right thing in the end. But he also yeah. contributed but, to a bunch of people's deaths. Yeah, his maybe way dying. Over and like, his dying to I wonder if like Ernest, like Hale, ordered the death of his daughter, like to scare him into like keeping with like his side. If that, and then like, I wonder if that backfired. If that like makes any sense, like. In the sense that, like, Hale was like, I'm done with this. Like, yeah, I, it up. Like, I think it said Anna it died of natural causes. So I don't know. I was just yeah, saying natural causes. Natural causes, like, there's no such thing. That's what I was going to say. Every death in this book, like I said this in the first part, every death in this book, it's like, is it actually just like a death or is it a murder? Like, it's so hard to tell, especially. With like all these deaths, she wasn't living with uh, Molly, so like they definitely there could definitely could have been foul play and like who would have known. I really wish we would have got to see what was said in those thirty minutes. It kind of gave me like uh, what was the movie Oppenheimer vibes, where like we don't actually see what that conversation was, and maybe we'll get to hear about it later yeah. of what Hale and like the lawyer said to Ernest that made him not want to testify anymore. Which I guess he could probably just say, hey, I'm going to kill your whole family if you testify. And then he's probably like, okay, fine, I won't. Because yeah. he, he knew he, he wasn't bluffing. Like, he could just say that and actually mean it. So maybe that's all that was said. But I wish we would have gotten to see what was said. The craziest thing was, like, Molly being, like, at the start, like, saying she still loves her husband. And then, it's like, when this stuff comes out, like, just, like, how awful, like, these people are. Like, they literally... Like none of the love was like really truly like meant to be or anything like that. Like it was more so just like using you for like your Yeah, and she's lost she lost everyone important to her. It's it's horrible. Uh is Ernest a mastermind question mark? Did he allow 
Hale and his lawyers to perjure themselves? Did he switch sides just so he could let them perjure themselves and then switch back? Maybe. We'll have to people find are out. Asking. People are asking. People are asking. I the the part where he, I I read it fast in the summaries. The part where White looks over at Hale and he's smiling at him after Ernest switches sides, like. I I mean, how do you not just pull out your gun and shoot that guy in the head? I, it would take a lot of restraint. <laughs> that guy, he's such a cocky fuck. Yeah. Like him, him walking he into is. the sheriff's office, like I understand I'm wanted. Like I still can't get over that. <laughs> White White is a way better man than me. Uh, I will say that. Is it Robert? Is it Robert De Niro that is going to play Hale? Uh-huh. Interesting. That's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be good. I'm excited for the movie. I think I think we all are. Um, that's the it's end. Of- be, it's an epic too. Three hours and thirty minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Th- they're allowing time. You know, they're. I I think the story does need that amount of time though. So I like. Yeah. Um. How do you cast De Niro as this man? For the they viewers at home, we're looking at Christian's blurry aging. screen. Christian, what page is that so they can look? The viewers can look at it because they definitely cannot uh, see that. <laughs> one ninety one. One ninety one. It's like a naked mole. Yeah, he's like a naked mole. I said he looks like Theodore Roosevelt a little bit. It looks like a it's dude. He's aging and CGI. Yeah. You know, you know the conspiracy that there's like human reptiles who <laughs> live among us. They live among us as the top politicians. This guy actually looks like a reptile. Well, you can't tell me just looking at like this guy that he looks like he would be helpful to the to the Osage. Like, hey, he's just a community guy. He just looks like the worst. Like, obviously we know, but he just doesn't. There doesn't like one bit of him does not look like he is corrupt at all. Like, he looks it's like so he, funny. Kind of looks like Mr. Monopoly. He's like the head of the community too, which is so funny. Like, you know how there's like people in the communities that everybody knows and they hold like events and stuff? Like, that's this guy, but he also is just killing everybody. Yeah. He's the face of the Osage County and then he's also just in charge of all these deaths. He he raised money for them and like built hospitals and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Hospital, so you can hire the doctors to kill people in the hospital. This guy's playing like GTA, but like back in the day, like he's just having the time of his life, just organizing all these heists and like not actually getting his hands dirty. He probably had like a board in his like in his house, like with each person like being like a specific like little action figure, like and he just yeah. like. I mean, outside of obviously we read a book about Nazis, so that's number one. But like outside of the Nazis, like this guy is up. You got to be number one. Yeah, I mean, these previous. I mean, we, have, we, have, we have we have we have Russian uh, Russians also to talk. Like let's not let's not let's not disclude uh, Sergei Magetsky and uh, this whole uh, this trial. Hale has Russian characteristics because he is just gonna deny it until the end. Yeah. Well, it's it's same the same thing with like the Russians. They know they're immune. They're not. I mean, they're not going to be tried on like a international court system because they can't go into russia and take them so like yeah they're just going to deny it because they know that they have like they're not going to be able to prove it like without i wonder if he's i wonder if he's going to go down shooting like if he does if he sees that it's inevitable that he's going to get caught if it just will turn into like a bloodbath for those last like few days i think he just keeps denying until it's over i think maybe even after he's 
if he's sentenced, I think he's just going to continue. Do you guys think he's going to be sentenced? That's another question. Like, I I feel like there's going to be some some foul play here. I think it's may fail in the state court, but they may get him in federal court. Say, yeah. I, I don't know what, the, what, what, what implications does that mean. I have no clue, but it's, they you make have it. to you go ahead. One of these one of these crimes has to not be committed on Osage lands. And I think, and I think at the one. end of the yeah, at the end of this chapter, it was Rowan's death. They ruled that it was not Osage lands, so they can try it in okay. federal courts. The author did uh, allude to the fact that he that White almost would lose his job, like with this with this case at the end of one of the chapters. So I think it is going to actually be like close. Did we already get that though? Wasn't that like they hailed like the electric train? Yeah, Hale had. I see. I was wondering that too. I don't know if that was the part where he almost lost his job, or if we're gonna. I I, I think there's gonna be a lot of problems that come with this court case. I I don't think we're near the end here. Obviously, we are because last chapter summaries. But <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, uh, any other thoughts on the book so far before uh, we hand it over to the next section? Uh, I'll kind of like allude to what I talked before we started recording, but I'm scared for this last part. Uh, I hope my score doesn't get tainted with like the remaining of this the rem- remainder of the book. I, I have a feeling like the case can, can only go so much longer and called the reporter part three, which sounds I, like I, going to be a lot of info. I hope that we, Fuck. I hope we get, the background of the backgrounds, like Hale's real motivation for coming to Osage County and whether or not Ernest was recruited and Brian were recruited to be a part of this scheme. I hope we get some clarity on that. And if we do, I feel like I could be satisfied. Yeah. I thought the book's been really good so far. I'm, I'm, I'm actually really hopeful that it's going to end really good too. Yeah, I am too. Cause I think it's got, it's on the path to a high score. Yeah. Like we've been talking about it, but um, so is escape artist. So it's still digging a high score to be fair. Um, I think it's our third high, second, second highest You're, book. But. We're scarred from previous books. That's. I was gonna say you have a right to be scared after escape artist. <laughs> but to be fair, I also think. I mean, I'm kind of looting ahead. I think I'm gonna adjust my score after the end of the year with that book. I think I've decided just because after reading so many books, I think still like the those first two sections really just like we're so good that makes any sense yeah do you do you let the story in itself carry like the raw story carry weight i think is the question or did the author just completely i think i think escape artist the story behind it is so good it's hard to mess up and the author almost did like mess it up (laughs) well and i think also if you you, also if you look at it like what the book is it's basically a like a biography in a sense because he tells his whole life story and i guess like that last part post escape is also technically his life so i think my prediction i think my prediction for this book i alluded to it earlier but the first part was kind of like from the public's eye. Now we're getting more from like the investigator's eye. And then I think the third part is going to kind of be like all of the info. Hopefully I want it to be like all the info kind of wrapped up with all like the loose ends tied together so that we get 
So like it reads like we get the high level view of like the mystery and what's going on and we get to formulate our own predictions about what's going on. And obviously it leads us to believe that Hale is the the ultimate villain, but then we don't get to see like all the details, but it leads you to believe that. Then the second part is like we get evidence to what's going on and find out a lot, but we still don't know like the whole story. And then I hope this third part kind of ties all the loose ends together and gives you like a full overview of what happened and like all the stories. I agree. There's there's some people that I think could be involved that still we need to know what their role was in the story and they kind of need to be held responsible. I think the Showen brothers, I I want to know what happens with them. Scott Mathis, I think, is someone who hasn't been brought up yet and maybe played a hand in this whole ordeal and uh, possibly some others. I want to figure out who killed those people like uh, when on the train, when that guy was coming back with like the evidence on the train, yeah. like that yeah. whole series, like and who sold the documents from like, like had like I'm forgetting the names, but there's a lot. I want to know how they found those. From Vaughn. Yeah. All right. I also want to see, like, if, on like a lens, like if they found out more people were actually killed from Hale, like, like what's the full extent of the web of like death? Yeah, my 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 guess is that they're only gonna get Hale on like one or two charges, like actual. He, they can affiliate him to only a couple deaths, but. The web extends way deeper. Hopefully it's for life. Yeah. I think the the big one that they can... Well, they the Bill Smith murder. Roan. Bill and Rita Smith murder. Roan and then Anna. Yeah, Anna. The big one. All right. Uh, I think we're all excited. We're going to see the movie on uh, Friday for some of us, Kevin, whenever. I'll just have to see it Friday. Yeah. So I encourage all of our viewers to also see the movie before our next meeting, uh, because we are going to be talking about it. But you don't have to. Uh, you can. It'll be a separate section. But we're probably gonna in talk about some of the things we saw in the movie during the meeting. So just want to send that warning out there. Uh, finishing the book, uh, I think everyone's excited. Yeah, obviously we'll we'll probably include it in the next episode, but we'll give a disclaimer, obviously, to stop listening if you have yep. not watched the movie because we don't want to spoil it for anyone. All right. Yeah. When you uh, join us back, no. we'll be playing Scribbly. We'll be exactly Tyler. Sup, players? It's time. Huh? What's up, guys? It's time for uh, <laughs> time for the competition portion of this episode today. As Jared mentioned, we were planning on doing a snake draft, but we ultimately could not come up with four categories because we're all too big of idiots to do that so we decided to just do a much simpler game and play some scriblio so everybody can see how good we are at drawing and guessing and spelling i think i think the hard part with snake draft is there's only so many snake drafts we can do in a row that it's like worse ways to die <laughs> yeah that was literally gonna be we just need to get more creative honestly. that's that's what it comes down to uh, yeah. all right well, well we'll go ahead and start i have not thrown the meeting invite link that's probably on me that's a tough. It is speed. on you. It's not probably. It is on you. <laughs> uh, so it's in there now. So the viewers will get in there. I'll entertain them in the meantime. Jared had a reminder for all the viewers at home uh, about uh, the what we're going to do for our next book. Do you want to cover that while everyone gets in? Uh, I was going to do that at the end. So yeah, we'll, damn. We'll okay, I was just trying to kill dead space, but okay, <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> 
<laughs> Anyways, I'm laughing at Kevin, Kevin's uh, picture in the chat. Yeah. We'll wait for everyone to get in here. Oh, oh. I have an advertisement. Okay. I know Man. every time. That's how they make their money. You know, you gotta. We support them. We, we support their services. Scribble.io, uh, one of the best games out there. Uh, just waiting on Christian. All right. Make sure you put the word bank in, Tyler. I word bank is in. Where I just gotta select user accounts only. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> let's 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 have, let's have some fun. Let's hope that we can spell better than last time. Like I said, quick reminder though. Uh, watch on YouTube so you can actually see what we're drawing. Try to not draw in the bottom left hand corner. I know Christian is doing that. But... <laughs> <laughs> There's cameras covering the bottom left portion a little bit, but wait, wait. fuck. Deletes no. everything. No. <laughs> he deleted everything. We got 11 seconds. This may be the first zero point of all time. I'm so bad. Is he catching a football? <laughs> <laughs> He's just a computer. Just try grave. All right. Hope the next draw is better. Try not to draw the bottom left hand. You should have prefaced my drawing with that box. Is this a three-letter word? Oh. No, it's not three letters. But... I shared. You hit the word. It's pretty recent. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Oh, I see. I see. I don't know how else to do this. I don't know what it is. Uh, it's not so bad. Why, why it's not, are we? It's not bad, George. Why are we? Why are we hiding the word completely? Yeah. Why do we make it harder on? <laughs> I just wanted to try it out. Oh Jesus! Me and Christian are sitting at zero. That's a tablet for sure. Oh 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 oh! Fuck! Oh. Let's go! I don't know how to say the door. <laughs> no, I don't know it. Yogi, I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. Uh, All right. I knew it started with the Y, and that was it. Oh God, Yogi Bear. Yeah, but I do. Alright. On now? Uh, my oh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it was an interesting drawing yeah. But I got it with the context. <laughs> it wasn't the best drawing, to be honest with you. Try not to reuse words if you see them come across, but... Can we make that um, so it just doesn't reuse? Uh, no. Fuck. Yeah, that's a paddle. 
<laughs> Bill. Okay. This is just oh. this is whiskey again. No, no, no! I don't want to fill. My nice. drawing. Good drawing. That's good. That's really good. Tyler's an idiot. Oh no! I misspelled it. Oh, oh no! 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 I misspelled it. No! Diarrhea. No! Damn it! I got it at the last second, but misspelled it. That's devastating. Oh god! This is gonna be. <laughs> Is that a dog? <laughs> Donkey. Reindeer. <laughs> What's going on? It's not that bad, I don't think. I mean, what in the world? Oh, how's it not that? Oh, this is going to screw you guys up, probably. Buffalo. Oh. You've got to make it much more thick than that. Okay, Tyler. <laughs> I put horns on it. Those are chunky guys. My other option was courtroom estate. <laughs> I wasn't drawing that. <laughs> All right, that was nice. Good job, nice try. All right, um, I I don't know if I could. Do that. I had some crazy words that one that I, I elected to not. Use but I'm gonna say ones. I'm gonna say this is not a repeat. <laughs> that was a repeat. It... Oh, I said that repeat. Him. Him. <laughs> okay, Everyone filed in, yeah. yeah. I'm still in last place, don't worry. <laughs> Bye. Kevin's the reigning champ always with this game. Christian's got me right now. Oh, no. Whenever Christian starts strong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? Dang it. There you go, Christian. We're kind of getting better. We're, We're getting fired. Better. That's a decent drawing there. That's thank you. It was a, it was an easy word to be fair. Hmm. Okay. Oh. Uh. uh fuck, oh, Tyler. Tyler's pubes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just a. <laughs> Derek. We talked about this one. <laughs> I don't know what it is. How you get spoiled twice. Guys. Oh, no, it's Kevin. Guys. Coming for you, Kevin. Jared's not far behind. I'm in striking distance. I don't. Oh. Uh. What? Mm. <laughs> oh. What? What? I feel like we've guessed Damn everything. It. I, I typed oh. investigate. 
did. I had to use that word too, which sucked because uh, I knew no one was going to guess it. Um, we'll go with this one. Oh. <laughs> what the fuck is that? What the hell is this? <laughs> Bro. <laughs> um, I'm so. Uh, oh, no. oh, I know it. I know it. Uh, <laughs> that was uh, the worst. John Battle with like a skull on it. I, that, I was trying to do the skull and crossbones. So that's what I was trying to do. Oh man. Nebraska football. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, that's hilarious. I thought I was going to be able to draw this, and this is not going well so far. There you go. I figure I blew it by wrong. Kevin's running away with it here. It'd be a miracle if I were to be able to win it here. Oh, started drawing in white. <laughs> I was like, what's going on here? Yeah. I thought I was up for a second. Oh, what? No, uh. <laughs> I just guessed. Hey. This guy, Kevin. This guy has the script. Don't believe a second of it. Oh, you don't know. This guy's looking at the coding or something. Might just be. I mean, that's. Hey, this is Blake. Yeah, I was running away with I'm, I'm trying not to finish loud. That's my goal. Under protest. You get all the easy ones. Dang. All the easy drawings. Dang. Mm. Okay. Mm. Oh, God. You hate when Tyler says, uh, okay. Well, I think Kevin already won. Facto, but we're playing for pride here for the rest of us. We're gonna do that. What? No, no, that's not what I meant to do. What the hell? It's a hand. It's a hand turkey. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh, I know. Nice. nice. There we go. Yeah. All right. I spelled it wrong. That was a good drawing. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. You don't have to pity me. Congrats, Kevin. I think you have, are the master at Scriblio. I'm definitely the worst drawer every week uh, at the end of the week when we do that. I'm, I'm up. I'm up there. I would say as well. If we do the well, award, a little bit better. If we do the reward show at the end of the year, I'm probably going to win worst Scriblio player. By far. But I hope you guys had yeah. fun watching. Um, yeah, with that, that was our episode for today. Um, for next week's episode, we will be finishing Colors of the Flower Moon. Um, so looking forward to seeing where this book ends up. We will also be uh, scoring it, scoring the book, and then we'll be discussing the book versus the movie. So we all we recommend everyone go ahead and uh, go ahead and watch the movie if uh, 
if you would like to uh, kind of listen along with our debate. Um, and then at the end of the next episode, we will be um, picking our next book, which should be exciting because each of the four members will be picking a starting five to enter into the wheel. We will then wheel until we have one book remaining to see who gets picked um, for our next book. So like we said, you can pick any book, uh, just has to be under 500 pages. So I'm excited to see what gets entered into the wheel and we will leave it up to fate see what our next book is so looking forward uh, to catching you guys in next week and we'll see you all right thanks everyone peace bye, -bye.